0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode one of season two of What in the World? My name is Jake Lee, and I am your host of this podcast. And last episode, which was episode zero of season two, was our pilot episode, I introduced Shannon, uh, who is my coworker, friend, and now fellow interviewer. And one of the things that she talked about last time, which I wanted to reiterate, is this idea of taking a posture of a receiver when it comes to serving and how important that is. And we'll talk about that a little bit in this episode and also I'll bring it up again at the end. But I am just very excited to continue this conversation with Shannon where we're going to take the deep dive today into her story, which eventually led her to uh, working for James Place. But before we dive into that, I first wanted to pause and kind of give you an update on what's been happening with some things around the globe, uh, about episodes that we've covered in the past. So previously, we talked about uh, what's going on with the church in Brazil, um, specifically Manaus, and what's going on right now. And I really would love it if you guys would lift this up in prayer. uh, Is that the Brazilian uh, strain of COVID really is wreaking havoc in Brazil right now, and? It's been horrible because uh, multiple native pastors have died um, because of this. And it's just really rocked the country and the church. And I just would ask that you would lift them up in prayer. And then more recently, I mean, that's still happening in Brazil, but it's been going on for a while. But Really recently in India right now, where we talked previously about the Manual Hospital Association, we are seeing a horrific uptick in COVID and seeing hospitals absolutely overwhelmed to the point where there is no oxygen. And where they are taking actual train cars and converting them into hospital rooms because they have no room. So both of these things are a very big deal and are devastating countries and we want to lift them up in prayer. So I wanted to encourage you to do that and let you know because we had talked about this on previous episodes. But now I'd like to divert the podcast back to uh, my conversation that I got to have with Shannon. And what better way to start that off than a cultural blunder?
1: So this cultural blunder goes, uh, actually probably a couple decades back. It happened when I was working in Chicago and I was a social worker at the time. Mm -hmm. It was a very large organization. So we had several different sites throughout the city. And so it was not uncommon for people to have to travel between sites to do their work. And my home office, we had a a woman who would come and she would just file paperwork that we had done. And obviously as a case manager, there's a ton of paperwork. Sure. And she came almost every week to do that. And it was interesting because I I, I would notice that she would, she'd often be late and it was kind of hard to plan around. And sometimes she would talk about, well, you know, it took me 45 minutes. And I kept thinking that seems like a long time. So one day she left and she was late and we were kind of scrambling and and I had just said to my coworker, I was like, you know, how can it possibly take 45 minutes to go from, you know, our North location to this location? It only takes me like 15 minutes at the most, even with traffic. And my coworker looked at me and and she's like, well, Shannon, she takes the bus. She doesn't have Hmm. a car. And that was a very, uh, I guess, middle class, suburban blunder where I was judging her. It didn't even occur to me that, okay, not everybody has a car.
0: Yeah, there are people in the world who actually don't have cars.
1: I, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, it sounds, I, mean, I, I get you. I, I've been in a similar place I, before. It, it's, it, but it's, our minds don't go there. Like, I've always had a car. I've always been in a family to have cars. Why wouldn't you have a car?
1: Exactly. It just, it didn't even occur to me. And, you know, when I lived in Chicago and people took the bus and the yes. train, I took it at times. It just didn't even occur to me that the average person that went to work. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't just drive between places, and so that was a. I think the blunder. Obviously, I didn't, you know, say anything to this woman, but the sure. blunder was just my own judgment of it, and just completely not seeing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you were in a space uh, interacting with somebody um, in a different like income level um, of or culture, and that wasn't even in your paradigm. You were. Um, running it through your um, grid of how things should work and how life is not realizing that she was operating from a completely different uh, paradigm basically than you and so you, like you said internally you're judging her and just understanding and then all of a sudden when it's explained to you it kind of opens up your eyes and your mind to this new kind of reality
1: yeah and it did actually I think it it served its purpose because, you know, to my co-worker's credit, I think she was probably a little snarky in return and, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, Shannon, like, who do you think you are? She takes the bus, like, get yeah. over yourself,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, but that's and, a good exposure for you and I think for a lot of us, like, yes, um, she was snarky with you maybe, <laughs> but, but we all need to start experiencing things like that and being pushed out of our comfort zone to realize my way of thinking isn't always correct, that yes. I may be missing information and that's what you had. Your yep. you your view or vision field was expanded a little.
1: It was, it was. So it was, so I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad she said something. The other element of this is it, it doesn't feel good to have that <laughs> happen. You know, it, it's uncomfortable yeah, it's good. Sure. when that yeah. field is, is expanded. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm gonna learn everything and it's just gonna, I'm gonna remember it and it's gonna be a great experience. Sometimes learning, To be more open-minded is painful.
0: You uh, went from a place of ignorance to being humbled, which is interesting because Shannon and I um, also teach a class uh, that we (laughs) call ignorance to humility, um, how you approach other cultures. And that's a perfect example of that.
1: It sure is. It sure is.
0: So today, Shannon, um, we're having you back, um, and like I said in the last episode, you're going to be doing more interviews moving forward, mm-hmm. but for this episode, we wanted to talk more about James Place, but as you and I were talking, you pivoted and uh, want to take this episode in a direction that I actually think is going to be a lot more compelling. We're actually going to talk more about Shannon's story and how you basically got to James Place, and, and we'll touch on like what James Place is which I guess I should give a quick preface. It's (laughs) Shannon and I both work um, with James Place at Elmbrook. It's an expression of Elmbrook's local mission. Um, Some people call it a local resource center. It's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. For just a starting point, that's what we both work in, where Shannon oversees all of it. But today, to start off, uh, I want to kick off your story, Shannon. So Mm -hmm. why don't you... um, yeah, bring us into Shannon's story. I guess. <laughs>
1: ah, okay, I'm trying to think of where to begin, and I don't know if it's okay to share too. To just preface it with part of the reasons we're taking this direction is in about a month we're having a yeah. James Place weekend at Elmbrook Church, and you know, uh, part of that is always okay. How do we raise awareness? And you know, we're always in need of volunteers. But the ones that stick are really the ones that Mm kind of catch the vision and feel compelled beyond what we can do to try to pull them in. There's something above and beyond themselves. And so we're trying to take a different tactic this year and just really letting volunteer story and how God has worked in their lives through volunteering kind of speak for itself to, to, to draw people in. Yeah. So I think that was our, our thinking with this is, you know, I could share, uh, you know, like drinking from a, high, a fire hydrant, everything about James Place, or I could just kind of share how I came to to be there and how God has worked in my heart to, I guess, bring me to James Place and, and do what we do there, which can be hard sometimes.
0: Yeah. And that's why, like I said, I think this is going to be a lot more compelling way to approach it. And it's the same attitude we're taking with the James Place weekend, which is going to be mid-May, where we want to focus on the heart of James Place. What has God given us? What is God doing? And that should be the thing that draws people in and compels people, rather than us just spitting off all of the details about what James Place is. Yes.
1: Yes. So I guess, all right, my story. Yeah, go for it. All right, here we go. I always love quotes Probably, you know,
0: even as I, I start, up on that. yeah,
1: I know, even as I start to do these podcasts, my, I'm guessing there will be very rare. It'll, it will be rare that I don't start it with a quote or, or share one at some point. Today's no exception. So I wanted to start with this quote from Shane Claiborne in the Irresistible Revolution: Living as an Ordinary Radical. And this book was kind of formative to me as I was growing in my faith. And he says. Only Jesus would be crazy enough to suggest that if you want to become the greatest, you should become the least. Only Jesus would declare God's blessing on the poor rather than on the rich and would insist that it's not enough to just love your friends. I just began to wonder if anybody still believed Jesus meant the things he said. I thought if we just stopped and asked, hmm, what if he really meant it? It could turn the world upside down. It's a shame Christians have become so normal. Hmm. that, that line, what if he really meant it? I think maybe there's a little sarcasm there, a little perhaps, but it got me to thinking and I had been, you know, in church, raised in the church all my life. And I'd done a lot of Bible studies. I was, you know, on a leadership group in high school. I went to a Christian college and I was working at a corporate job at the time. And I could make more money doing that than doing where I kind of had always felt I might be gifted, which is in the counseling or social work field. And it's funny because at the time I was doing, you know, some different Bible studies and and doing a lot of reading. And it just felt like it wasn't going anywhere. And I'm a doer. And I just kind of thought, there's gotta be more to this. At Hmm. some point, we have to just be called to do something. And I think I, like so many Christians have gotten stuck thinking, I'm just waiting for God to make it clear. I'm just waiting for that calling. So I know exactly this is the right move. And I, I, for whatever reason, it just occurred to me, that's probably not going to happen that sometimes you just need to step out and do something that really scares you. Yeah. And this just kept like becoming more and more clear in my mind and my heart. And I wasn't happy with the the job I was in, and so I started looking around, and so I was hired as a case manager working with adults that had chronic mental illness, and I came to absolutely love this population, but it's interesting because even at the time, it felt really scary to me. Sure. You know, like, I remember my dad asking me the question, well, Shannon you Know, ha- have any of these people ever been in you know like um institutions? And <laughs> you know, and 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 I was kind of like, yeah, probably, and that's okay. And but yet, you know, I was afraid. Um, I was actually very afraid, and I felt very ill equipped, and I didn't have expertise at all. I just kind of felt like God talks so much about. You know, putting feet to our faith. The church that I went to seemed so, I guess, one-dimensional. Where you know, it kind of was the same people every week. And I said, "Where are the people that you know Jesus talks about? That maybe look different than us. That maybe are, maybe they're struggling more. Maybe, or they appear to be." And it just didn't sit right with me. So, so I started working, and and it really just went from there. I really um, developed this heart for. Ministering to others, but in the process, again, learning that I've learned just as much about myself and from them, and realize that we're all just kind of these people that are that are in this journey, you know, of life and of faith together. And over time, as I worked there, they had as one of their tenants spirituality is like they had like six different pillars for healing and or you know for living a good life, and spirituality is one of them. And what frustrated me so much is they emphasize spirituality, but you couldn't pray and they got, yeah. So, so I went to a camp, we did music camps and we were at one and there was a, a group from actually from the South side of Chicago and they were gathered around a table and they held hands and they prayed in the name of Jesus. And it was clear, it was very, very effective. It was very helpful that these um, members, they, they were called members and staff alike really embraced it. And I remember at the time the executive director at a meeting shortly thereafter was absolutely livid. Like we can't, that's an outward expression of faith. We can't do that. And I kept thinking internally, but I, I, that's, that's just not right. And where can I go to where I can minister and work with people and also be able to proclaim the name of Jesus? Yeah. It just...
0: That's very strange.
1: Yeah. So it made a strong impression on me and I said, okay, I want to continue to do this work, but I want to be able to do it in the name of Jesus. So fast forward a few years, uh, I took some time off, raised my kids and was ready to start getting back into the work world. I knew that I want to do something in the social work field or the counseling field. And I was sitting in church uh, one Sunday and Karen Kumblod, who is the director of this place called James Place, mm-hmm. came and just spoke about what they did. She just talked about how they were... F- part of Elmbrook Church and they were just located in downtown Waukesha and really anyone could come through their doors and they were there to build relationships, respond to needs and offer hope in the name of Jesus. And as she was talking about it, I said, they're just doing like social work and Mm casework, but they're doing it in the name of Jesus. And I could, (laughs) I mean, I could hardly, it was like, I've been training my whole life for this, you know? (laughs) And so I just remember sitting in church thinking, oh my goodness, this is like what I've been wanting or, or hoping for, or, you know, wanting to see happen. And so it was afterwards, it was kind of like I had tunnel vision and it was like, I just made a beeline for her table and she probably was kind of like, "All right, who is this person?" and I was like, "I used to do case management and I'm a Christian and I always wanted to see something like this, like an expression locally where mm-hmm. we can, you know, express our we can be free to, you know, proclaim the name of Jesus and and help others." And so I started, this was 2008, I think. Um and then I I started working at as a volunteer at James Place in 2009 and had a lot to learn there as well. And, you know, we just, whoever came through the door, we would um, just try to respond to whatever need they they came through the door with, with no expectations. And we have the freedom to proclaim the name of Jesus, to to pray with people, to find out kind of where they were at. Yeah. I'm still with James Place, so this is, you know, it's 2021 and this is not, you know, people will say sometimes, you know, because I because I, I, did go on and get my um, clinical license, my master's, and I think people think, oh, you've got this degree or, you know, I've got this expertise, but I still feel like sometimes I'm just this recent graduate, this girl that just kind of wanted to put feet to my faith in the name of Jesus. And, you know, some days I feel like, yeah, I've got these letters, or but that's really just kind of what I'm doing. And- I love it. It's, you know, it's not easy. Um, There's times where it's really hard. But there's something about just being in, I call it sacred space, where you're just with somebody. They might be in a lot of pain, and you might not know what to say, and yet there's something really holy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in that place, because it's, there's like this raw connection that you can't, find always. And, you know, I, I do believe that, that God is honored when those walls come down and we can just be vulnerable with one another and just truly strip off those things that keep us, you know, socially distant to just know and be known. And it, yeah, it's sacred space, I guess, for lack of a better word.
0: One in the world. In this part of the podcast, we look back into Elmbrook's history and see how God has moved and God has been faithful in the things he has promised us and has continued to use this simple church. For this one in the world, we're going to go back to 2007 when Mike Murphy was pastor of the local missions at the time was really challenged by a question from a book called The Externally Focused Church. The question was, if your church disappeared today, would the community weep? Would they even notice? As he was looking at that, he realized that that is not how the community sees Elmbrook. And at the same time that this was going on, Phil Lee, one of the elders of the church at the time, closed an art gallery, downtown Waukesha, and he invited Mike to see the building and asked, if Elmbrook had a place like this, what would you do with it? And Mike's reply was, I don't know, but we'll take it. Mike assembled a team to listen to the community, brainstorm, and pray for God's guidance. A few women began offering free blood pressure screenings and slowly additional services were added. Karen Kublai came on as director and championed the new mission statement, building relationships, responding to needs and offering hope in the name of Jesus. From that day until today, James Place has been on a journey with God. James Place started with very simple beginnings with simply a question asking, would anyone weep if your church disappeared? And at the time, the answer was no. And from that point, the statement, building relationships, responding to needs, and offering hope in the name of Jesus came about. Now it's 14 years later, and what started as simply offering blood pressure tests and giving people a simple cup of coffee has now turned into a five-site ministry where we are in multiple schools with more schools asking us to enter into their doors, multiple community resource centers, counseling services offered at multiple locations, immigration services offered at multiple locations. But most importantly, James Place has developed real relationships in the community. And I think it's fair to say that if the ministry of James Place vanished from the community, there would be people who would weep. This has been When in the World. No, I like sacred space, that way of defining it. Um, It's this interesting thing when you, which I mean, I guess bigger picture, your whole story, when you are seeking to put feet feet to your faith, when you're seeking to take, um, I would call it a risk, or to enter into a scary place. Um, For me, most of my life so far, it's been those moments when you're putting yourself in a more quote-unquote risky place when you're interacting with people who maybe you normally wouldn't in a normal life, that's when you are, these doors are open to these so-called sacred spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're allowed into areas that um, honestly, for me, sometimes it feels like I shouldn't be allowed into these spaces, but mm-hmm. God has opened the door for me to be with somebody in their pain, uh, with somebody in some very intimate uh, part of their life um, where they just are opening up and sharing and I think that is a very beautiful thing and I think speaks to the fact of like, you're trying to follow uh, what God has for you. Obviously in your story, like that was kind of your story in some sense. It was like, mm-hmm. I'm you You got this internal, um, what do I want to call it? Um, stirring? St- yeah, sure. Internal stirring that, or this holy dissatisfaction, I've heard other people call it as well. That's better, yeah. Where it's like, inside of you, you know, something's not right. You know, God is asking you to do more. Mm -hmm. And so trying to do that. And a lot of times that simply means just taking a step of faith rather than just sitting.
1: Yes. If I can interject, Jake, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. And what I want to like hit home is I I tend to think everybody has that. And I think my story isn't that I was specially called to do this. I really don't believe that. I, I think maybe it was just paying attention to that, that holy dissatisfaction that I I imagine if all of us is quiet enough is probably there. I would agree. And I think God could take that in anybody and do it. So this is not, you know, because Shannon was specially gifted. It was just, I just felt like that was the, maybe the right kind of the next right thing, the next right step. um, If that, if that makes sense, you know, and, and I see that in my volunteers almost without fail. They're like, well, I just kind of felt like I needed to kind of take the next step. And a lot of them are young in their faith or even wondering, I mean, not a lot, but quite a few, you know, we've had that are even not sure where they fall. And it's through serving in the name of Jesus that their faith has actually grown and developed. So if I can kind of even dispel the notion that you have to have it all together, um, mm-hmm. In fact, having it all together might disqualify you in some ways to truly relate. Well,
0: I think maybe <laughs> just look at who did Jesus call? He called it a misfit bunch of young teenagers yeah. and then all these other women started following him too and they were misfits. They yeah. were people like from v- a whole bunch of areas and honestly, they weren't qualified. And he just said, follow me. They, they, they hadn't really believed in him yet. They didn't understand who he was And that's, I think, a path that's clearly laid out in scripture and one that I think we should try to model of just seeking to follow Jesus wherever he leads. And also to your point uh, that you made earlier about who are the people that we should be inviting into our church, the people we should be Mm -hmm. extending an arm to, are those who don't maybe fit into our churches normally. Mm -hmm. Um, Those who are on the fringes or margins of society, like that's who Jesus went to. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to take seriously and actually do what he said, that would mean reaching out to people like that.
1: Yes. And then you realize the the language of like that kind of leaves your vocabulary because they they just become like you. They're just mm-hmm. they become your friends, they become your people, your community and yeah, absolutely. I I think something you were saying as we follow Jesus, I don't even think we can know Jesus as well as we'd like until we are in those spaces.
0: No, I would 100% lean into that. I think there's been a decent amount of, there's a lot of people who've written on subjects like this, and that's what they've over and over discovered, that their understanding of God, their understanding of Jesus came fully alive when they started to meet people who were different from them, outside for them, and then they realized they could relate to them, became like them. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came and dwelt among us. He became human. He became like us. And so I think we should also seek to model that. Um, Yeah, I like that a lot, Shannon. The last thing I wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap this up for this episode was just you've already basically given a couple takeaways that I think people could extrapolate from this but is there anything specific that you'd kind of like to wrap up as a little a challenge? Like you're hearing this podcast and something's stirring inside you, let's say. Yeah. What would you recommend they do?
1: That is a great
0: question.
1: I think our tendency is to believe that if we feel anxious or afraid about something, it must mean that God is telling us not to do it. That could be, but I in my life, for whatever reason, I have found that if I'm feeling anxious, I mean, anxious when I say that, not, you know, not like where it's completely overwhelming me, but where I'm feeling afraid or insecure or unsure oftentimes that's a cue for me to lean in. And that's just how it's been for me. And and it's been a very uncomfortable truth because it's not always fun to to be in that space. It's not. And, you know, I have my own struggles with anxiety and depression, which I'll just share that as well. So, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm coming at this from I'm above or, you know, but I, I think we need to lean in more to those spaces where we feel afraid cause oftentimes it those are the very spaces God might be calling us to.
0: I like that. So lean in.
1: Lean in, I guess would be, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I think somebody else coined that term, <laughs> but uh, yeah, from a I, spiritual standpoint, <laughs> lean into the fear. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Perfect, Shannon. All right, Shannon, thank you so much for um, taking time to just share your story. And I hope that everyone listening to this also um, enjoyed it because I really enjoyed getting to talk to Shannon <laughs> a little more. So thanks, Shannon.
1: Thank you, Jake.
0: So I really appreciated the opportunity to dive a little deeper into Shannon's story, And even though I've worked with her for a number of years now. Um, obviously, there were things that I got to learn in here for the first time. And so for me, it was very exciting to dive deeper into the why for Shannon and what has compelled her to live this life of faith, this life of uh, being real about her relationship with Jesus and being able to integrate that into her profession. And so I hope for you as well, this was encouraging and maybe even eye-opening a little to what James Place is a little more the heartbeat of it. Yeah, I mean, some specific takeaways that I wanted to just make sure I landed on was going all the way back to my first conversation with Shannon about a week or two ago. She mentioned uh, talking about receiving from people and how important it is to receive, that we cannot just be always on the side of being the giver or the one who honestly has the uh, the higher position in that relationship. We need to be a receiver as well. And for me, I have seen that mentioned over and over when I'm even learning about how to reach unreached people groups on the other side of the globe. You have to put yourself in the position of the receiver. You need to be allowing people to serve you because otherwise you're coming in continually at an unequal level that you have something to give and they have nothing to give back to you. And I just love that Shannon also applies that concept when it comes to James Place and when it comes to doing local ministry as well. And I think that is makes a lot of sense because yes, we are called to be servants, um, how Jesus was, but sometimes how we see servanthood in the West is us having to give something, but inadvertently how we position ourselves is as the higher giving to the lower. Whereas the servanthood, I think that Jesus is talking about is more of this, attitude of humility. And I think that's what we need to be striving for um, when we are interacting with people. But the other thing from this episode that really um, stuck out to me was that Shannon talked about that they aren't just other people, like how I brought up that, oh, serving these other people, that they start to become my people. And I think that is a very, very important thing to land on when we are serving, that these people shouldn't remain other. They should start to become my people. I should start to identify with them. I should start to learn from them, Uh, which goes right into what Jana mentioned in the first episode as well about being able to receive from people. They need to become my people. And I would encourage you guys, as you are interacting with people who are other, um, maybe you're interacting with people, you know, wherever you're living, um, people that you are serving, that you would... Take a step down from your position of authority and start to be in a receiving position where they could start to develop a real relationship with you and a real friendship, hopefully. And something I think to be in prayer for. So once again, just really appreciated my conversation with Shannon. And then as I wrap this up, just reminding everybody, like I brought up at the beginning of the podcast, to be in prayer for areas of our world that are really being hit very hard, including the church, um, which would be that I'm bringing up would be Brazil as well as India right now. Just some absolutely devastating things going on and things that we need to be in prayer for. So thank you guys so, so much for tuning in to another episode of What in the World.